Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. We are in a series called The Gospel of John. And what we're looking at is the prologue. It's the first 18 verses of John chapter one. So if you got your Bibles, let's start there. John chapter one. I'm gonna read one verse uh, in John that's gonna speak to the, generally the direction of the whole series, but you're going to John chapter one. The verse I'm gonna read is really speaks to why are we doing this? Why are we talking about this gospel? And why will we be talking about it leading up to Easter? John chapter 20, verse 31 says this. It says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you, that believing you may have life in his name. John says, the reason why we're talking about this, the reason why he wrote my gospel, this gospel is so that we could clearly see who Jesus is. And when you clearly see who Jesus is, it then provokes in you a belief in him. And so the whole goal of this series is for us to clearly communicate who Jesus is. And our heart and prayer is that if you're in this room today, that we believe that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you personally, not just through words of a person, but through God himself will reveal to you clearly who Jesus is. And that clarity is going to provoke a belief in you into him. We believe that for some of you that maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, uh, it's gonna clear, make even Jesus even a little more clear than what you've known before to even more solidify your faith and trust and belief in him. And the ultimate goal is this, that we all would have such a clear picture of who Jesus is that there would be this empowerment that would happen in your lives that you could go and actually reflect and display and talk about who Jesus is so that others may believe. Because that's the goal, right? The goal is not just gather as many people as we possibly can to hear one person talk about Jesus, but that we would all go from this place to families and to neighborhoods and to workplaces and to schools and actually tell other people who Jesus is. Why? So that they may believe, right? So that's why we're doing this series and we've been having a really good time. We just started it last week and this will lead up all the way to Easter. But here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to read all of the 18 verses with us, you and me. And then we're going to pray. And then we're just going to look at a couple verses. It's going to be some fun. Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, so I'm going to read from the New King James Version. So it might sound kind of Dr. Susie's a little bit. But, uh, you know, follow with me. All right, here we go. Chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory is the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Almost done. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. 
And of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who was in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. One translation says he revealed God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just come this morning and I don't just make room for you. I, I give you the room. So have your way. I pray you would reveal who Jesus is to us, God. You would awaken us. You'd open up our eyes. You'd soften our hearts. You'd open our ears. That we may see, hear, perceive what you want said. My friend, I pray you, you do what only you can do. And may you be lifted up and glorified in all of it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So John starts this off. In the beginning was the word, right? It's this shout out to creation. Uh, Pastor G's gonna be talking about this next week, but this is how he starts the gospel. Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, most of you, if you're not newer to church, you've probably heard of that creation story or many of you, maybe you've multiple times, you've tried to read your Bible through in a year, but you may have not finished, but you've at least got through Genesis, right? Most of us got through Genesis. So you've probably heard this story, God created the heavens and the earth. So what's John saying? He's saying, here's the deal. God desired that he would dwell with his creation. That was his desire. So what did he do? He created the earth. He created an environment that sustains, could sustain life. Then he creates man. Then he creates the Garden of Eden. And it's in the Garden of Eden that God puts man. And it's in the Garden of Eden where God's presence would come and he would dwell with his creation. Where God would interact with mankind. It's in the garden where God would come and his presence could be experienced fully and he could be worshipped. And there was no sin in the world at this point, so nothing was hindering man's interaction with God. But again, we know the story, right? Man messed it up. So the entire rest of the Bible, the whole goal is God doing what he has to do to get us back to the garden. Like at the end of it, that's the goal. We got to get back to this place where we can experience God's presence unhindered and worship him with whole hearts and willing minds. So we see throughout then the stories and the different accounts in the scripture, how God would then interact with mankind after sin entered the world. He commissioned this guy named Moses. You maybe you've heard of Moses, you know, the guy, stick, 10 commandments. You know, he may be the one that Mima or Abuela made you watch Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, because she didn't approve of what your parents let you watch. 10 commandments, Charlton Heston, you know that guy, right? So God commissions this guy, Moses, to build what's called a tabernacle. He said, I want you to build this tabernacle and it's gonna be in the tabernacle where you're gonna offer sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. And it's also gonna be where I'm going to come and I will dwell in the tabernacle. It's how my presence will come and dwell amongst my people. So if you read it, and actually there's accounts of how the tabernacle was to be built. And if you're like me, I pretty much speed read through all of that, right? It's like, oh, pass. You know what I mean? Let's move on. Give me the good stuff. Come on. But what you're going to see is you have very specific instructions of what the tabernacle will look like. On the outside, very, very plain. You wouldn't look anything special. The building would be goat hair and dirt, and it was just this ordinary building. But on the inside, it was beautiful. Inlay of gold and these different tapestries, and there'd be these structures like different fruit and stuff. And it was like, why are you asking this? Well, because he was shouting out the garden. It was like this reflection of where God used to come and dwell with his people. It's now in this tabernacle, and it's where the Ark of the Covenant is. And it would be where God would come and dwell. And you go into the tabernacle and on the outside again, plain, but on the inside, it would smell like beautiful incense and fresh bread. And it was this beautiful thing. And so God would come and he would dwell amongst his people. So he would do that with Moses. And there would be this guy named David. Remember the dude who throws rocks at giant people and they die. That guy, right? He brought that into the city and God would be worshiped in the city because his presence would come in the tabernacle. And then this other dude, Solomon, would build a temple. And it's how God would come 
He would dwell with his people. Why it's so important for us to understand this, I think, is because that's how the first century Christians understood and saw how God's presence would come. That's how it would happen. He'd come in a tabernacle and he would dwell. It's what makes what John says in John chapter one so revolutionary. Because in verse 14, he says this. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the, in the Greek, you could say it like this. He came and he tabernacled among us. Like John is proposing, this is a new way that God is going to begin to interact with mankind. He's not coming down into a building now. He actually came in flesh and blood. He came as Jesus Christ and we beheld his glory. The glory is the one and only begotten son of father, full of grace and truth. He says that Jesus Christ was the son of God and he came to dwell amongst his people. And like the tabernacle, there wasn't anything really special about Jesus's appearance. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, this guy, Isaiah, he prophesies what Jesus will look like. He says, on the outside, there's nothing majestic about him, nothing beautiful, nothing to attract us to him, just like the tabernacle. On the outside, normal, plain, just a man, but on the inside, the presence of God. That's who God is. He came and he dwelt among us. And what was the goal of Jesus? Well, in chapter eight, verse 18 says that he, part of what Jesus did was he revealed who God was. John says, you don't know what God looks like. We've never seen God, but you see Jesus and Jesus is the perfect reflection of who God is. So you wanna know how God acts, how God responds, how God would, would talk, that is Jesus. So when I look at Jesus and I wanna get a clear picture of who God is, I look at the life of Jesus. And then John even goes any further. He said, I'll tell you who God is. We just read it. He's a God full of grace and truth. So you wanna know who God is, what he's like? God is a God who's obsessed with truth but he is also a God who's obsessed with lavishly pouring out his love on his creation. So Jesus would come. He's the tabernacle, but he wasn't just the tabernacle. He was the sacrifice that was made in the tabernacle. And so then he died and gave his life for mankind to one last sacrifice to atone for the sins of man. And now you and I can have a relationship with God. So John is explaining this to us. And then he goes on and says in these verses, 12 and 13. So, so then what is my response to that? Like, what is your response to that? What's anybody on the earth's response to knowing that God became flesh, he came, dwelt amongst, he revealed who God was, a God of grace and truth. He came, he died, he resurrected. Now what? Verse 12. But as many as received him, say that with me, say received. Come on, say it again, say received. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe, say believe. Come on, believe. Believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John says your response, my response to a God who came down and dwelt among us is that we were to be believe and we were to receive. Let's talk about this word believe for a second. Believe is a major theme in the gospel of John. In fact, if you look at how many times the word believe is used in the entire New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, of all the times the word believe is used, three-fourths of them are used in the gospel of John. Kind of a big deal. And can I, can I let you in on a little Bible study hint? Here's a phrase that will help you out. In the Bible, what is repeated is important. So if you see a word in your own reading, you're seeing a word or a phrase or, or a theme, repeated, 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 it's kind of a big deal. Why? Well, because the early Christians didn't have all these printing presses where they could read their Bibles, they heard their Bibles. And so when they wanted to highlight something, the guys who wrote these understood, if I want something really to stand out to my audience, I'm going to have it repeated. So for John, believing is a major deal in following Jesus. 
Now, what's interesting about this word believe, it's this, um, in the Greek, um, pistuo is the word in the Greek. And I'm not just saying that to make you seem like I'm a really smart person and I'm not Greek and pulling up my big fat Greek wedding that's showing you how every root word is Greek. You know what I mean? Um, here's, here's what we're talking about this. In the Old Testament, it was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament is originally written in Greek. So when we look at our Bibles today, it's people doing their best to translate literally what was written in the beginning. Uh, the thing is, sometimes uh, certain words have multiple meanings. And so it does really good if you ever really wanted to study a scripture for you to actually look at the original word. It makes the scripture come alive to you. And that's something you can do. No one has to do that for you. You can do that for yourself. What's interesting about this word believe that John uses isn't so much the word believe, but it's the preposition that he uses with it. I know. Did you think you were going to get a grammar lesson in church today? Come on, Mike, I'm operating one less hour of sleep and we're talking prepositions. How it shows how one word is related to another. Do you remember? Like I'm going in the car, right? Ends the prepositions, how one word is related to the other. For John, when he uses this word, believe in God, it's not, he's not saying, hey, you believe in God. That's not actually what he's saying. He's saying it's the, it's, you believe into God. I know. It's not, we don't talk that way, but this is literally what he's saying, that you need to believe into God. And it's different. And here's why. What John is saying, it's not just about a belief in God. Like I believe he exists or I believe he's real, that there is something about the message and life of Jesus Christ that draws you into him and you believe into him. It's metaphorical, but still it's positional. It's like, God, I don't just believe. I believe into you. Like I'm, I'm making a move. I'm moving towards you. I'm leaning in. I'm believing into you. I'm not just believing you're real, that you exist or that you're out there. In fact, James in his book, James, he said, even demons believe in God, but that doesn't change anything. I don't just sit and go, okay, I believe you, God, but there's something about the message of Jesus that I'm, it makes me believe into him. I'm, I'm moved to be drawn to him. Most of you came here today in a car and you came here into a car because you believed into your brakes. Okay. You didn't just sit at home and go, I believe they're there. I believe they're real and they exist. You believed into them because you decided not to walk to church, but to actually get into the car. You decided to put those you love most into that car. You traveled at a rate of speed. Some of you at a higher rate of speed because you were late because of daylight savings time. Yeah, we saw you coming in hot in the parking lot. Yeah, thank God we believe in resurrection of the dead because we almost had to do that in our parking lot today. You believed into it so much so that you, you, you did something about it. You believed into your breaks. And this is what we're talking about. When John says, I'm not just saying like, hey, believe in God. I'm saying you believe into him. And it makes you make a step towards him. It makes you move towards him. So John says, you believe. And then he talks about this word receive. Receive. If you ever come to my house and you knock on my door and you show up and we don't know you're coming. Uh, if it's just me and the door is knocked on, uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm not there. Is anybody with me? Kind of like slide down under the couch. Like, like doing like Navy SEAL signs to Gabby. Take the kids over there. Quiet. Right? I don't want, I don't want, you know, I just don't leave. I don't want anyone to show up. Now, unfortunately, because I have four children, you knock on my door, all the Roberts kids are going to run to the door to you. So, and spoiler alert, just so you know, heads up, they're all going to be in their underwear. Because right now my kids are in this like phase where all they wear is underwear around the house. It's like saying, do I live in like a European beach right now? Like what's happening? What is this? Who are you? You know? 
Like just yes, literally last Sunday, we're, we're in the car, church is done, we get in the car, we're driving home. One of our twin girls, Sienna, all here in the back, she's like, oh, I can't wait to get home, get naked and watch a movie on the couch. <laughs> Who are you? I don't live like that. Your mother doesn't live like this. Who's telling you that, you know, it's like, they're just free living like the garden, I guess. I don't know, you know? Me though? Baby, I'm not there. <laughs> I'm like, pass, you know? So it's like, and you're laughing because you know it's true, right? You know, it's like, oh no, shoot. Got a white dress shirt on, a bike helmet and a Bible. I'm out, you know? I'm not opening that door. Um, in Jewish culture, if someone would show up to your house, a guest, and they'd knock on the door, you'd open and you'd, you'd bring them in and you would, no matter if your entire day was planned out, like you could have the entire day planned out, but if someone shows up to your door unexpected, you would bring them into your home and you would change all your plans for them. It actually would be, um, you would be embarrassed to tell them you even had plans before they came. And when they would come, your entire day would revolve around this person. And as long as they stayed in your home, everything you did revolved around them. That custom was called receiving them. So when John says that we are to receive Jesus, he says, Jesus comes to your life and he's knocking. And actually in Revelations chapter three, Jesus actually says, behold, I stand at your door and I knock. And if you open up and you let me in, I'll come eat with you. So when John says to receive Jesus, he's saying, hey, every plan, every hope, every dream, everything that I have had leading up to this moment now revolves all around Jesus Christ. I've believed into him. Now I receive him. And everything about my life now revolves around this man, Jesus Christ. Every hope, every dream, my marriage, my money, my, my business, my scholastic endeavors, everything about it now changes. So it answers the question, does my life look different after I accept Jesus? Yes. But it's not, we saying it, it's not about performance. We're not trying to earn something. It's just like oh, my entire life has been around something. Not Jesus though. It's been around me. It's been about a relationship. It's been around a hurt and a pain. It's been around uh, a job, a dream. And so my life has looked one way, but now Jesus comes at my life. He knocks on my door and I have let him in. He's my guest. And now my, everything will change because he's at the center of it. But if my life is like a, if it's a pie chart, right? I don't just like fit him in. Like, all right, Jesus, I'm gonna give you like a section between like my hopes and dreams and my marriage. Right there, baby. I'm gonna give you more than even my job, right? I'm gonna give, no, he doesn't have a section. He's like the center of it. And everything else revolves around it. John says, I'm, John's like, hey, you believe, you believe into him, but you have to receive him. I think sometimes where that's challenging for me is like, if I'm being honest, I feel like I prefer more Jesus to be the Amazon delivery guy to my life and not the guest. Like, I don't mind him knocking on my door just as long as he leaves at the door what I asked for and then he can leave, right? It's like, hey, Jesus took the 90-day tithe challenge. That kind of makes me like a prime member, right? So where's my financial miracle in two days? Jesus, I'm good. Just knock on the door. Give me that piece. Just throw it there, like... I'll pick it up after you leave, but, right? Like I think we're, sometimes, <clears throat> why does my life not look any different? I think it's more because Jesus has more been the guy that's knocking. It's like, yeah, leave it there and you can go. When Jesus wants to be my guest. He wants me to let him in. 
Now, no condemnation. We all come to God with a felt need. That's what brings you to him, right? Like we all, because why did you come to Jesus? Why have you been to church? Why did you come to the altar to pray, pray for? Why did you go to a city group? Because you were hurt, you were broken, you were lost, you were confused, you were tired. And so you heard this message about Jesus and it sparked this belief into him. And so you made this move and look at the life of Jesus. Look at anybody that would have come to him, anyone that was hurt, broken, sick. He never repelled them. He accepted them. He healed them. He set them free because he's a God full of grace. Believing is seeing God as a God who's full of grace. Receiving is seeing a God who's full of truth. Because when he comes, he comes with truth. And truth exposes what has been at the center of my life. So look at the words of Jesus. He would say words to a young man who would come and say, hey, I want to follow you. And he'd say, okay, listen, I want you to sell everything you have and come follow me. Why? Not because he wanted this young man to be poor. He's saying, hey, your entire world revolved around your money and it has to be revolved around me, so get rid of it and follow me. This once again interaction with a, a woman, they, they had brought her in front of her. She'd been caught in the act of adultery, middle of sin. They throw her in the foot of Jesus. How does Jesus respond to a woman like that? He says, where are your accusers? I don't, I don't judge you. I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Grace of God. I forgive you. The truth of God. You got to change the way you're living. You got to receive me. Look at the life of Jesus. He comes in and he says, here, I'm going to show you what life should look like with me. Yeah, it's, it, it will be uh, confronting and convicting. I think that's why we don't let him in because we know it. <laughs> Right? We know this is, like, this is what's going to happen. But he comes with a God of grace and he brings truth. And he says, now listen, you have been acting this way towards your spouse, but that's not truth. This is the truth. Now we need to change. And the beautiful thing is not only does God come and he brings the truth, he actually comes with the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. Okay. I, I didn't tell you this part. Not, not only was it custom to receive your, your guests as, in a Jewish custom, but if you were the guest and you showed up to somebody's house, you always brought a gift. This is why it says in Acts chapter one, Jesus says this to his apostles. He says, listen, don't leave Jerusalem until my father sends the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes into your life and he doesn't just come empty handed. He comes with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And now not only am I aware of the truth of God that I'm supposed to live, but he actually comes to empower me to actually live that way. Right? So he comes in and says, this is not how you handle your money. This is the way. This is the biblical way you handle your money. And here's the grace and the ability to do it. This is not how you treat your spouse. This is not how you speak to your spouse. This is how it is in the word of God. And here's the grace to do it. This is not how you raise your kids. This is not how you talk to your children. But this is how it's going to happen. This is not how you handle your attitude. This is the attitude you are to have. And here's the grace to do it. Truth comes in and lights up my life. Sometimes it's revealing what was at the center. Sometimes for us, it's a relationship, it's a business, it's a dream, it's our money, it's whatever. And then for some of us, it's a, he reveals it's a, it's a hurt, it's a pain, it's a past trauma. It's something that you wouldn't put it in words like this, but it is literally what your life has been revolved around. And we know it because the self-sabotaging behavior that you live with is because your life is revolved around this thing here. And so for some of you, You've actually been 
deceived to believing like there's no way out of that. Like it's too big. Like that's just who you are. No, that's not who you are. You've been a person who has lived with something at the center of your life that wasn't Christ. But when Jesus comes in and he shines this light, things change. Uh, this verse, I'm gonna read it to you. It's Mark chapter three, verse 27. Jesus is speaking. He's talking about the devil. So we know the devil's real because Jesus talked about him. So we don't live a life like we don't believe there's a devil. We also don't live a life where everything is the devil. So we have to have a right perspective on him. But this is what Jesus said. He said, let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Jesus is saying, look, sometimes you think like the devil's the strongest thing in your life. This pain is the strongest thing. That this, this poverty mentality, this uh, divorce, generational divorce, this generational alcoholism, that's it, that it's got a grip and it's stronger. And Jesus says, you, what, you don't, what you need is just someone who's stronger. And it's me, Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus doesn't come in weak and frail. He's the son of God. Right? So he's the light of the world. So darkness has no fight with light. Evil has no fight with good and grace of God. It has to go. And so you allow God to come into your life and he lights it up and darkness goes. And that which once had you no longer has you, but you gotta receive him. You gotta bring him in. You gotta bring him into the dark parts of my life. I gotta bring him into the hidden areas. He comes in. And because he's a God of grace and truth, he does not judge. He simply loves and sets free. He's not the guy you gotta, he's not the guest that you gotta get everything cleaned up before they come, right? You know, the scramble before you have guests over, throw everything in the closet and know there's things they're not allowed to go into. Why? That's not Jesus. It's not like get my life right and then we'll come Jesus. No, it's like, God's like, just let me in. I know it's a mess. Trust me. Just let me in. I come. You have to allow the word of God though to confront. And yeah, it won't feel good sometimes. It probably will offend you a little bit. I've been there. I'm like, ugh, I know this is God, but it makes me mad because I don't want it to be. I get it. But for some of you, this is the, this is the thing that's kept you a cycle of just never growing in your relationship with Jesus. You've had highs and lows with God because you've had moments where you have believed into him and he has changed your life. And God comes, he comes and he forgives because of the blood of Jesus. But you really haven't received him. And it convicts you. And sometimes you sit in a church service and you want to leave. Why? Because it's God knocking on your life and it almost irritates you. And it's like, makes you, I'm almost like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. It's because it's the darkness, the, the evil, the sin thing doesn't want light to come. And it fights to keep you in the dark, to keep your lights off. I mean, you ever notice in the dark, I see this with little kids a lot, like they think things are bigger and big, scarier monster in the dark than what they are. We, we redid our, my wife redid our boys' room and we have this um, like fixture thing on the wall and, um, they put their backpacks on it. And at one point, my youngest crew was like, there's a monster, a scary monster there. And I'm like, where, where? And it's like, I'm like, I just flipped the light on. It's like, it's, uh, it's the hat rack, buddy. Oh, okay. He's going back to bed. 
Sometimes what's on the inside of you think it's this big mass thing. You'll never escape it because it's, it's dark. It's dark. But then God comes in and goes, and you go, oh, that's okay. Jesus took care of that on the cross. I don't have to be an alcoholic. I don't have to get divorced. I don't have to be broken. I don't have to be poor. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be depressed. Because God's in. God's in. So receive him. Let him in. Let him in. God, that, what would a church look like if we were a group of people who collectively believed and received the, the, the example, the, your life will look completely different to everyone around you when you receive. They won't understand what it is. They'll use words like, oh, you got good energy about you, dude. Oh, you're so positive. It's like, no, just like God's at the center of my life now. So I change. It changes the way I talk. It changes the way I respond. I'm not perfect, but I got a new center in my life. And it attracts them to want to know why. You will invite them and say, come see, come to my city group, come to my church, come to Easter, come to coffee and let me tell you who's at the center of my life now. And it'll be Jesus. And they'll know and see clearly who he is by your words and by your lifestyle. And just like you, there will be an attraction and they will believe into God and he will come and you will now tell them, but you got to receive as well. And you'll instruct them on how it looks. And you'll give them the word of God. And they'll learn it and it'll get in their hearts and in their minds. And their life will be changed. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com and click give. Thanks again. And we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.